Today we're going to talk about the legacy of his loyalty. We started a new series last week entitled God's Dynamic Character. And we're going to go as long as the Lord wants us to go. We may end the year with this series. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be dynamic. Some of the other pastors, when the Lord says so, they're going to minister. I already started prepping um, some of them, actually one of them, and um, we'll see what the Lord does. But I, my assignment is to talk to you about his loyalty, his faithfulness. Um, last week's message was the fierce loyalty of God. How many were here for that? Raise your hand if you were here. Okay, if you were not here, go back and listen to the tape. It was amazing. And can we just make sure everything is good? Because you sure? Let's just, let's just check again. Because I want no mistakes. This thing has to be recorded. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So today we're going to talk about the legacy of his loyalty. It's really part two of last week's message, but it's going to be a different slant and some different points. And I felt the Holy Ghost, because I had a different title, I felt the Holy Ghost want me to have this title, the legacy of his loyalty, legacy of things that you leave behind. And so um, let's start out with this. Um, you're going to be able to trust God's faithfulness and God's loyalty when you consider what I'm about to say. Your existence is not your idea. I'm going to say it again. Your existence is not your idea. It's God's idea. So if my existence is his idea, what am I worried about? What am I afraid of? Why am I afraid? And why am I letting the spirit of anxiety take over my life? Why am I having a hard time trusting a God who, who has made me? And remember Psalm 100? This is what the psalmist was trying to get to us. He says this, you are the sheep of what? His pasture. He has made us and not we ourselves. Anybody remember that scripture? God made you. God allowed you to be on this planet. The um, book of Acts chapter 17 talks about how God predetermined where and when you would be born. Did you ever ask yourself, why wasn't I born during slavery time? God didn't want it to be. Did you ever ask yourself, why wasn't I born during the time of the Roman Empire? God didn't want you there at that time. He wanted you born this time. You know, you could have been born in Jesus' time. There were black people in Jesus' time. <laughs> you could have been born right after um, um, the, the uh, flood. So many different times you could have been born, but God said, no, now. 2,000 years after the birth of Jesus, after the death of Jesus, after the resurrection of Jesus, you are here at this time because of him. 
What are you worried about? What are you concerned about? Why do you even care? That's what Jesus says. Why are you worried about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to live? He said, do you see the birds worrying about that? They're lesser value than you, and they're not even worried about it. Somebody say, it's easy to trust the Father. It's easy to feed on the faithfulness of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Train your mind, train your heart to believe him. Some of you had fathers that, that were good. Some of you had fathers who were not good. Forget about your natural father. Your heavenly father is not them. Amen. Just like, you, just like if, you, if you was in a bad relationship, your new man or your new girl going to say, I ain't them. Then we put in their crap on me. Get healed, then we can go. Amen. God is saying, I'm not them. They should have been a better representation of me, but they weren't. Oh, well. And if you did have a good one, praise God. But even the ones who are good, they still are not as good as God the Father. How do you get the revelation of God the Father? Look at Jesus. He is a revelation of God the Father. He is God in flesh. He is the will of God in action. Hebrews says he's expressed image of his person. He is the brightness of his glory. Jesus says, you want to see the Father? Look at me. Remember when his disciples said, show us the Father. He said, have I been with you so long that you have not seen the Father? He said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Yeah. Hallelujah. So read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you're going to see the Father. Love, compassion, mercy, grace, truth, holiness. Come on, somebody. Abundance. Amen. That's the Father. Hmm, this is good. Man, I'm ready to I'm ready. Woo! I feel good already. Write this point down. We're here to learn. This is the lesson today, the legacy of his loyalty. The loyalty of God gives you what you cannot give yourself. The loyalty of God gives you what you cannot give yourself. Can you give yourself existence? Thank you. And when, I, when the Holy Ghost, I mean, I had, um, anyway, the Lord just whew, downloaded to me like crazy, so quick, so fast. I'm like, whoa, this wasn't a sermon I had to work hard for because <laughs> my heart was open. I'm in, I'm in line with the Holy Ghost. So he gave me this point. The loyalty of God gives you what you cannot give yourself. And then the Lord just opened my eyes. Let's start with Abraham. Abraham, Genesis 12, Genesis 15, and Genesis 17 are very significant chapters in the story of Abraham. All of it is important, but those are very interesting. Because that's when God keeps coming to Abraham, talking to him. 12, 15, and 17. So, let me ask you a question. Everybody knows the Abraham story? If you don't, you're going to learn it. If you be a Christian anytime, you're going to learn about Abraham. We hear it a thousand times. You know when God came to him in Genesis 12 and said, leave your father and your father's house, right? I remember that in Genesis 12. All right. Do you know what happened right before that? 
Does anybody know? Anybody remember? And for some reason, I just felt in my spirit. I want you to, when you explain this, I want you to go back and see what actually happened before I spoke to Abraham. So you see his father, Turan, you know, was about to, on his way to Canaan, and then he stopped in Haran. But that's not what the Lord's talking about. He said, what event happened? It's Genesis 11. Everybody should know this. The Tower of Babel. Anybody know the story of the Tower of Babel? When the whole human race wanted to build this tower that reached to the sky, they all spoke one language. And the Lord was looking down and said, oh, my, my, my. Look at what they're doing. It was a fleshly thing they were doing. It was a, it was a, it was a, without getting too deep into it, it was just something that God didn't want. And they were doing something God didn't want. And he said, the thing that they have imagined, King James, New King James says proposed, I don't like proposed, imagined will not be kept from them. He was recognizing the power of man being unified and man imagining something and getting it done. He says, it, it won't be stopped. They'll be able to do it. So the Bible says he came down and confused their languages. And then they were separate. That's what God wanted. Man wanted to be, it's basically, without me getting too deep, is what the devil is pushing the world to now, called the one world system, where everything is just one way. He was trying to do that back then in Genesis 11. One world system. The Babylonian Empire. Bringing that all into one. God said, no, I want it spread out. I want a whole, I want nations. So he confused their language. They can understand each other. What we saw in Genesis 11 was man doing something God didn't want. What we see in Genesis 12 is God initiating something that he wants. And this is the dilemma with human beings and even Christians. Are you doing what you want or are you doing what he wants? Are you doing what you've initiated? Hello, somebody. Or are you doing what he's initiated? The Holy Spirit says something to me like a few weeks ago. It was very interesting. I wrote it down. He said to me, don't be so caught up into what you're doing that you're forgetting what he's doing. Oh, my, 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 my. This is so good. So what are you saying, Pastor Maurice? I can't initiate anything. What do I have an imagination for? Very good question. That's the same thing I asked. Well, why do I have imagination? Why do I have my own will? Why do I have my own mind? If I, if, if I can't initiate anything. Well, it's not that you can't initiate anything. It's that man sometimes is initiating things they shouldn't have been initiating. And I focus on what God has initiated. Your imagination, your will, is for you to dream big, as we preach here, but within the will of God. God told man, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, have dominion. He didn't say build the Tower of Babel. Now, if you're busy doing those things, you're good. 
But when you start doing other things that he didn't say to do, there's a problem. God doesn't care what restaurant you go to. God doesn't care whether you're wearing Primark or Balenciaga. That's your business. <laughs> Never mind. Don't, don't, don't get me started. Don't get me started. He doesn't care, really, if you want to live in a, 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 a five-bedroom house or a two-bedroom house. That's your choice. Now, he may make a comment, but it's really your desire. You want a tall man who's dark-skinned and bald-headed. You want a guy who, who, who's, who has 20,000 muscles, or you want a guy, you're, you're a black woman. I, I want a white man. Okay, have your white man. God doesn't care. I want an Asian man. Really? Okay. But anyway. <laughs> Gosh, why, why did I do that? That's wrong. Praise God. Have whatever you want in that area. God just says, make sure he's saved. Make sure he knows me. Make sure it's somebody that I put my approval on. All right? So, there are things that God doesn't mind. You want a Lamborghini? Have one. You want a Chrysler? Have one. Whatever. That, is that what you want? Have it. You want to go to Tahiti instead of Turks and Caicos? That's your business. You want to go to Bahamas? Go. You want to go to California? Go. You want to go to Italy? Go. I don't care. As long as you're enjoying your life. Make your choices. But when it comes to my will for your life and my agenda for your life, you need to mind your business and do what I say. You need to put aside your will and submit to my will. Lest you be building the Tower of Babel. And you're frustrated. And you're confused. Anytime you're in a place of confusion, know that you're not in the will of God. Anytime you're frustrated with how your life is going, just know you're not in the perfect will of God. Because when you're in the perfect will of God, there is no confusion, there's no frustration, you are flowing. Everybody say flow. flow. Amen. You're flowing. You're flowing in destiny. You're flowing in purpose. You're flowing in the grace that comes with it. The Bible talks about this. It says this. It says that we were given purpose and grace before time began. You were given what? Purpose and grace before time began. God gave you a reason for being, and then he gave you the power to do it. He gave you the talents, the abilities, and everything to do it. So the only thing you should be thinking about Right now, at your age, even your kids should be thinking about this, is am I flowing in purpose and grace? Or am I frustrated in the grace of God because I'm flowing in my purpose? I'm doing things my way. Amen. And that's why it becomes hard to trust his loyalty because you're not in sync. You have to get in sync. One of the things you should pray constantly is, Lord, bring me into divine alignment. Bring me into divine alignment. The devil and the world is always trying to push you out of divine alignment. And let me tell you something. Please don't waste your time thinking you're going to win going against his will. You will never win. Never. I don't care if you make $10 million. You still have lost. And you'll feel empty. And you'll leave this life saying, what did I do with my life? Nothing. You had some kids. <laughs> 
had some good sex, went to a few restaurants, had a nice house, left a little money for your kids. But what are you going to say when you stand before the king of glory? And no kids going to be there, no house going to be there, no bank account going to be there, your mama ain't going to be there, your grandma ain't going to be there, your little auntie that loves you ain't going to be there. It's going to be just you and Jesus. He's going to look at you and say, what did you do with the, with the life I gave you? And if you didn't do his will, you're going to be crying your eyes out. And he'll wipe the tears, but you'll have no reward. And what that looks like in heaven, we don't know. Don't, don't play. Somebody said, I don't think I'm going to be in heaven. No, no, no. No, no, no. Don't play yourself. You're never going to win going against his agenda. Never. You only win doing his will. You know, I'm winning today. You know why? Because I'm in his perfect will. <laughs> yeah. You can win too. Make sure you're in his perfect will. Some of you are, some of you are not. Some of you are on your way. But wherever you're at, my prayer constantly for the people of Winners Church is that you would do his will, that you'll stand complete and perfect in all the will of God for your life. Why? Because he has initiated your life plan. When you were born on the planet, you weren't born with, and I don't know what you should do. You and God are going to have a conversation. So, hey, what do you think you would like to do? As the parents do. And if you're a, a believer, that's not how you should uh, raise your kids. You don't say, what do you think you, you should do with your life? That's not what you say. You say to your kid, what do you think God has planned for you before you were born? And parents should know themselves. But you should give your child a time to explore it and then direct it towards that. Don't let the world trick you. Oh, I want my kid to be an NBA player. Okay, is that God's will for his life? I want my daughter to be a, a model. Okay, beautiful. Modeling is awesome. But is that God's will for her life? It may be. But if it's not, you've missed it. They've missed it. And you've helped your kid enter a life of frustration. I told you this before, I'll tell you again. There was a person that used to go to our church who was a lawyer. Being a lawyer is wonderful. She made money. She had a place, her own place. She could do a lot of things. But she said, I hated being a lawyer. She didn't say I didn't like it. She said, I hated being a lawyer. So she wasted all her time going to law school, all her time put, being put on that track to, to say, I hate my job. Don't set your kids up for that. Because they'll curse you later for doing it. Or they may be nice and say, oh, they, tried, they did their best. But inside, they're like, why did you not direct me properly? And then they go to a church where the pastor's teaching like this, and then they get on track. And the glory goes to the pastor for getting them on track. When the glory could have went to the parent for having them on track already. Because the parents are the first authority. Come on, somebody. So... You as an adult, you as a parent, you as a male, you as a female, whoever you are, make sure you're on God's initiated agenda for your life. So notice, it was God that came to Abraham and said, leave your father's house and go to a place that I will show you. And the Bible says that Abraham left with Lot. So he actually did it. All right. Interesting.
<laughs> God came to David when he, got, when he was tired of Saul. And he says, um, I rejected Saul from being the king of Israel. And he said, I have chosen for myself a son of Jesse. He didn't tell the prophet who it was. He just said a son of Jesse. Go to Jesse's house, anoint him. He lined up the seven brothers. Ah, surely you are the one. God said, no, he ain't the one. He says, you're going by the outward because he's tall, he's handsome, and he has military experience. So you think that he's the one I've chosen to be king because he's tall like Saul. No, that is not the one I've chosen. He says, man, and this is what he tells the prophet, man looks on the outward, but I look at the heart. I chose him based on his heart. And he went down to the whole seven. He said, you ain't the one. Gotcha. None of you are the one. He said, Jesse, you have any other sons? He said, oh, yeah, I got one little nigglet outside. Y'all want number eight? The one taking care of the sheep? Singing songs? Yeah, bring him in. We ain't going to sit down until he comes. And then the Lord said, that's the one. And anoint him with oil. Did David go to, the, go, go, go to God and say, hey, I want you to anoint me and make me the king of Israel? Did he even know that God rejected Saul? No. God initiated him being the king. It was God's agenda. So the Lord told me, told me to ask you this question. Are you doing what God has initiated in your life? Because since you've been born, God has been speaking to you about your life. Now, you may have been watching social media and worry about everybody else's life. But the Holy Ghost inside of you has been speaking to you about your life. Have you been listening? Have you been flowing with him or still doing your thing? Well, I need to make this money. So I'm going to be a nurse because everybody in my family is a nurse. Did you ever consider that God wants you to be something different than a nurse? Did you ever consider that God is bigger than your thoughts? Well, I'm trying to make that 90,000. Well, maybe God's trying to give you 900,000. But you're so busy doing your thing, you can never see his thing. Come on, somebody. I've been, they said, I've been old. I've been young, now I'm old. I feel like saying that now, but I'm not old. I've been young, and I'm older. And let me tell you something. The best thing in your life is to surrender to his will. It's to find out what he has initiated and to do it. I knew I was be a pastor at the age of 15. I knew it. When I went to Bible school, people at Bible school are uh, talking about, oh, I don't know why, what I'm going to be doing. Uh, why are you here? I didn't come to Bible school to figure out what I'm called to do. I came to Bible school because God told me I'm called and I go to Bible school and get trained. You know why? Because some people sent their kids there because they want them to have better behavior, so I sent them to Bible school. They ain't going to change their kids' behavior. It's just going to expose what they really are. 
I knew at 15. Your kids should know at 15 what they're called to do. Not because you're in ministry, you should know at 15. David was 17 years old when he fought Goliath. So he knew as a teenager what he was called to do. He was anointed to be king as a teenager. So if your kid don't get it at 12, which they really should get it at, why you say that? Because Jesus knew what he was doing at 12. When he was in the temple, he said, I'm about my father's business. He was how old? 12. Your kid at 12 should know God's will for their life. If they don't get it then, they should know it at 15. If they don't get it then, they should know it at 17. Nobody should be 20 years old not knowing what God's will is for their life. And if you're there, you need to do a deep dive into the presence of God and say, what do you want me to do? Last night, I was on the phone for about an hour and a half talking to a young man. Well, he's not that young. He's 45 years old. He's been a worship leader. Um, and some, some of the bigger churches around our community. And um, he now goes to, a, to a, a, a mid-sized church in Manhattan. And um, he's had a worship team since he was like 19. He's had hundreds of people um, leading them in terms of singing and all this kind of stuff. And so he sent me a message on Messenger and said, um, you know, um, hey, bro, um, um, basically, he's frustrated with his life. And I just was very straight. Like, I've been straight recently with somebody else. I, I said, you are out of the will of God. Your frustration is you're not in God's perfect will. And knowing, talking to you over the years, you're either, be, to, you're either called to be a worship leader or a pastor, but I'm not going to assume. Let's go into prayer. I'll pray with you about God's will for your life. And I said, you need to ask the Lord the question that Paul asked him. What do you want me to do? I said, it's very simple. And then and I said some other stuff. So then he thanks me for that response I gave him. And then he sends me a text. Can we talk? I know you're busy. So I was really busy yesterday. So then when I got in at 10 o'clock, I said, let me call him. So I, well, I texted him. I said, I'm, 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 I just walked in. I can talk to you now. He's like, okay, if you don't mind, if, if, if you're not too tired. So I get on the phone. I expected to be that long, but it ended up being like about an hour, hour and a half. I started cooking too while I was talking. <laughs> I had to get some food. So anyway, um, one of the things he said is that the leaders that I were under, and he was in, under some great leaders in New York City, no one ever handled me right. No one ever looked at the call of my life and said, yo, I see that you're called. I see something in you. Let's talk. I told him, like I have people in my church that's called, but I don't have a Bible school. I'm not going to start a Bible school just because I have people in my church who are called to the ministry. And I said, but I do talk to them. I do seek God with them about what God wants. He said, my God, I wish I had even that. Just a conversation. No one had a conversation with me about anything. So now he's 45 years old with a call to be a pastor on his life. I said, okay, so now that we know that you're called to be a pastor, you need to start saying, I'm called to be a pastor. Now your next steps is to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you want me under this leader that you have me under? Because this leader starts churches. Or do you want me to start my own church? What do you want? I said, it's very simple. God already has the agenda already planned up. You don't have to make something up. Just go seek him. And we began to talk about that whole process. And he sent me a text today thanking me profusely. He said, it really meant a lot. Um, you should be thankful that you have a pastor like me who's pushing you towards God's will. 
who has, for most of you, taken some time out with you. You've had some kind of intimate time with me one-on-one. This man has served these churches, never invited, he said, this, certain people never invited me out to dinner. Never. I was like, what? You'd be surprised what's out there. Especially when you're talented. People just want to use your gift and be like, okay, thank you, bye-bye. You should be grateful for a church like this. I know we on you all the time about, yo, be in God's will, do God's will, live right. But you should be grateful because when you get to heaven and you're 95 years old or 100 years old, you're going to say, thank you, Jesus, for Pastor Maurice. <laughs> Not only did I make it, God has some rewards for me because I listened to what he said. You don't want to be the person who gets to heaven at night. Because guess what? All you young adults, 30s, 40s, maybe middle age, 50s, you're going to be that forever. One day you're going to be 90. You're going to be 100 if you live that long. And you're going to go to heaven. And it will be over. Your destiny is not forever. So you better live right now because everything you're doing, there's a history with it. You can't get last year back. You can't get 10 years ago back. So you better live for him now. Everybody shout now. Now. Experience his faithfulness now. Experience his loyalty now. Because what are you going to say to the Lord of glory? What are you going to say to the Father God? Because you're going to see the Father God. It ain't going to just be Jesus. You're going to see the Father God. Yeah. I poured my mercy and my grace on you. I gave you message after message after message after message. Dreams and visions and prophecies. What did you do with it? Did you squander it and waste it? Or did you live for me? We you able to say that to Apostle Paul? Apostle Paul, yo, he was doing some crazy stuff. But he turned. At the end of his life, he would have say, I fought a good fight. I've run my race. Not somebody else's race, my race. And now is laid up for me a crown. He would have said, I know I've got some rewards coming for the way I live my life. When you think about your life right now, do you have rewards coming? Or do you have a... (laughs) What do you have? Who wants rewards when they see Jesus? Who wants a smile on their face when they see, when, who wants to see a smile on Jesus' face? Amen. Who wants to be able to go into Jesus' presence confident, like, yo, what's good? You know I served you. He'll be like, yo, what's good? I know you did by my grace. Hallelujah. You want that, right? You want that, Ingrid, right? You want that, Karina, right? No, I don't think you want it. <laughs> You want that, right? The loyalty of God gives you what you cannot give yourself. David couldn't give himself a throne. He couldn't give himself the crown. He couldn't even give himself the whole thing with Goliath. God set that whole thing up. Do you realize that God was set up, set up circumstances and situations to give you what you cannot give yourself? You cannot give yourself favor. You cannot give yourself healing. You cannot give yourself the provision that you want. Only God can give it to you. 
Come on, say, thank you, Lord, for giving it to me. You cannot give yourself a destiny. You cannot. Only God can give you a destiny. You can make up something, but it's not. What what have you done? You're giving yourself. It's it's like having diamonds and you give yourself cubic zirconia. (laughs) Fake diamonds. Man-made diamonds. People living man-made lives. They're not living divine destiny. You better say every day of your life, I'm living in divine destiny. Come on, somebody. Somebody shout hallelujah. I don't know how the Lord stayed on that, but he did. Praise God. Let's go to, are you finished with point, this point, Lord? Point number two. The loyalty of God, now this is powerful, will make you bigger than you are right now. The loyalty of God will make you bigger than you are right now. God is so faithful that he wants to make you big. Who wants to be big up in here? It's about big influence, big money, big everything. You want to be big or you want to be a little french fry? <laughs> who, who, when you go to McDonald's, they say, I want a big fry? I don't say no little fry. Uh, well, sometimes, but so give me a big fry. Even if I'm not going to eat it all, I want to know that I have extra just in case. And then I throw the rest away if I don't want it. It's always good to have bigger. Amen. Do you, th- do you think you would really buy a small Mac? People <laughs> be like, no, I don't think so. They say Big Mac, it's in your psyche. I said, that's what I want. Who wants a big house? Who likes these little small New York City apartments? Yay, for the small apartments. Remember when Mayor Bloomberg was trying to give people this small 300? I was like, are you crazy? Not even a dog wants to live in a 300 square foot apartment. Oh, I did. Okay, and? He had this concept that you can grow in your wealth and you can get something bigger. But why? Because I don't have billions and millions, so I have to have a small little apartment. That's the wrong New York mentality. They don't believe that in the South. People who live in poverty got mad land. Come on. They're making $10,000, got land everywhere. Because God never created man to be in a small confinement. He never created man to be small in anything. Hello, somebody. So, watch this. The loyalty of God will make you bigger than you are right now. Remember what the Lord told me years ago? And I I, I just can't wait to write a book about this. I was praying, 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 praying. And the Lord said to me so clear, so loud, so powerfully. Life. Are you listening? Somebody say, "I'm, I'm I'm listening. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ said to me. This is what God the Father said to me. By his spirit. Life is too big to be lived so small. And I know he was talking directly to me about me. Life is too big to be lived so small. And when you're not in the will of God, you're going to live a small life. And for me, it was about something else. It was about you're just not living like I want you to live. You're not enjoying your life. When I wrote this down, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, I don't know why she came to my spirit, but the woman with the alabaster, well, I know why, the woman with the alabaster box are all bigger now than they were 
when they first encountered the living God. I'm going to say that again. Abraham, and actually add this one, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, David, and the woman with the alabaster box are all bigger now than they were when they first encountered the living God. When God made Abraham, the Bible says he had a lot of money, but his wife was barren. Sarai was barren. He had one little thing. But the Bible says in Genesis 13, he was very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. Now, God had just said, I'm going to bless you, but he was already rich. The Bible says very rich. But even though he had all that money, he still had something he couldn't give himself, a baby. <laughs> I don't care how great you are, there's still things you cannot give yourself. So he comes to him and says, listen, I'm going to bless you. And he says, I'm going to make your name great because if, it, if it's not me, your name is going to just be right in this little area. You're going to just be a little pagan guy. You're going to die. You're going to go to hell and that's it. But I'm about to do something big. Not only am I going to save you and make you righteous, which you don't even know yet, I'm going to make a covenant with you that's going to make you the father of many nations. You're small now, but by the time I get finished with you, you're going to be huge. So God initiated and released what I called a worldwide generational blessing. Everybody say it with me. Worldwide, worldwide. generational blessing. Generation. Yeah. It's right there in Genesis 12. I, I, I didn't want to go there, but let's go there. Genesis 12. He says, Now the Lord said to Abraham, verse 1, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families shall be... Abraham didn't know what all that meant. <laughs> then later on, he comes to him, he says, look at the sky. Look at the stars. All that's going to be your descendants. You, know, you see the sand on the seashore? All that's going to be your descendants. You're going to be able to number them. The sand on the seashore represents his natural descendants. The stars represents his spiritual descendants. That's you and I. There's two billion Christians right now. We don't know about the generations before. Two billion. So Abraham has two billion Spiritual descendants and descendants on the sense she showed that you cannot even imagine all the Jews, all the Arabs, all of Abraham's descendants, the natural descendants from one man, from one dream, from one call. Watch this from one woman. Because uh, when they tried to do it with Hagar, he said he said he had Ishmael. That was his man-made plan. And he said, I'm going to give your wife a baby. He says, the Bible says he fell on the ground, laughed in his heart. Like, are you serious? 
He says, your name is no longer Abram. Remember, his name was Abram. He says, your name is Abraham. And if you really study it out in the Hebrew, he puts his name in there. Abraham. Yahweh. He expanded him. Sarai became Sarah. Yahweh in there. He expanded her. And he said, from you will come kings. He said, your wife's name is no longer Sarai, but Sarah, because she's going to be the mother of many nations, and out of her shall come kings. They became bigger than what they were when they encountered the living God. David was a little peep squeak in his daddy's backyard, and by God's grace, and by God's anointing and calling, he became the king of Israel. Jealous Saul tried to stop him, which is a picture of the devil trying to stop you, but he couldn't stop him. He delayed it, but he couldn't stop him. Amen. Somebody said, the devil can't stop me. The enemy can't outwit me. No, 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 no. And you have to believe that. Because if you're not, you're going to say, oh, the devil's... One of the things I told the gentleman yesterday that I was talking to you about, because we were talking about some other things in his life, and I said, you need to learn how to talk to the devil. Now, he's a mature believer, but I know a lot of mature believers who don't like to talk to the devil. They want to talk to God. But it ain't just God that's in the situation. There's a devil out there. I remember I was talking to a person... Um, who doesn't like to talk to the devil. And this is many years ago. And I rebuked the person with all authority. I mean, I was really speaking loud. (laughs) And the Holy Ghost was all on me. And I said, who do you think you are? The person was kind of like cocky about it. I I don't talk to the devil. You, like people, crazy charismatics do that. And I said, who do you think you are? And the Holy Ghost just shot a revelation through me. He said, Say this, are you greater than Jesus? If Jesus has to talk to the devil, who do you think you are? Person was quiet as a mouse. Well, mice are not quiet, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Silence. How dare you act like you're greater than Jesus? Oh, I I didn't mean it that way. No, no, no. You you, You were proud. You thought you knew what you're talking about. You don't. Jesus rebuked the devil. Michael, the archangel, rebuked the devil. You are going to have to rebuke the devil. So the gentleman that I was talking to, he was like, well, yeah, I don't really, I do, but not as, yeah, you got to, I said, you have to say, Satan, I resist you. Satan, take your hands off my money. Because you're talking about, I do this, and then something else goes wrong. And then I push hard, and this goes wrong. I said, you have to rebuke the devil. Satan, leave my body alone. Leave my money alone. Go from me now. I bind you. I bind your temptation. I bind your lust. I bind your maneuvers in my life. Cease and desist now in Jesus' name. Not, oh, Father, help. No, no, no. Take the authority you've been given and rebuke the devil. You see somebody demon possessed. You're going to say, oh, Father, 
Somebody say, why are you talking to me? Look at the devil and say, come out. Now, you're not a devil. You know that. <laughs> yes, we are. You're looking like, oh. <laughs> I'm just talking. How many of you have ever experienced some strange things that's happened? Like something, you take two steps forward, and then something has to push you back. Anybody ever experienced that? It's the devil. And if you don't learn spiritual warfare and how to speak to the devil, you're going to be what the Lord said, don't become a spiritual warfare, a casualty of spiritual warfare. You know what casualty is? Those are soldiers who don't come home. They have funerals for them. Do you want a funeral for you? A funeral for your life and your destiny? Then you better wake up and start rebuking the devil. The Bible says, submit to God. Then it says what? Resist the devil. And it says, talk to God about resisting the devil. Oh, God, just help me from the devil. No. Wake up and resist the devil. What did Jesus do? Okay. Praise you, Jesus. How many remember the, the, the temptation of Jesus? Raise your hand. Are you paying attention? Matthew and in Luke. Remember that? Mm -hmm. The devil tempted Jesus. Three, three specific areas. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Same thing Adam and Eve went through. Jesus went through the testing. Mm -hmm. All right. Now Jesus quoted Jesus. I mean, Jesus quoted the scriptures. Well, that's correct. Jesus quoted Jesus. <laughs> Jesus quoted the scriptures. Do you know when he said, it, man should not live by bread alone, but by everywhere to preach the mouth of God? When Jesus said, you should not tempt the Lord your God? When Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall have no other gods. Thank you. No other gods. What is it? Yeah, you, you should have no other God before me, or something like that. Yes? Yes, thank you. You should, not, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. Do you know what he was quoting? Does anybody know? You're going to learn something today if you don't know. That's why you need to get those tithes and offerings ready. <laughs> he was quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. Did you know that? How many of you ever knew that? Raise your hand if you didn't know that. Raise your hand. It's okay. You, you didn't know that. If you didn't know that. How many people did know it? You ain't know nothing, girl. You ain't know it. So nobody here knew it. He was quoting from the book of Deuteronomy. Let me tell you something else. Deuteronomy is going to be good for you. So when you're preaching, you're going you're to sound real smart. Jesus quoted more from the book of Deuteronomy than any other book when he quoted the scriptures. Do you know what the book of Deuteronomy is? Does, does anybody know that the book of Does anybody know that there is a book of Deuteronomy? Everybody knows? All right, all right. Now, do you know what the book of Deuteronomy is? Yeah, you're a new Christian, so you wouldn't know. Does anybody know? 
It's the what? It's the book of laws. Very good. But there's something else that you must add. It's the repeating of the law. The law was already given. Deuteronomy is Moses repeating the law. Do you see the spiritual lesson? Jesus was telling us by quoting Deuteronomy, repeat the word to the devil. He didn't get it the first time around. And notice Jesus had to repeat it three times. Don't just say, oh my goodness, I wish the devil would leave me alone. No. Rebuke the devil, but also speak the word. The word is like a sword. But it's the sword of the spirit. It will cut the devil up and he'll run from you. You start quoting. The devil's tempting you. Let's say he's tempting you to do something crazy, sexual, whatever. You're not married. Porn, sex, whatever. You start quoting 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You know I quoted it because I'm doing it. <laughs> he said, there's no temptation such as is taking you, but such as is common to man. And God will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. But with the temptation, God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able to bear. With the temptation, you will, God will make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Satan, leave me alone. This temptation is nothing. Goodbye. You're cutting the devil up. He hates Christians who quote the word. Oh, you know you want this man. Come on, you just do it. Yeah, I do. That's the flesh. But I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yeah, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, goodbye, devil. <laughs> you know you, you should steal that. You know, you know they owe you. Yeah, Ephesians 4. Let him who stole steal no more and work with his hands. They may give, have to give to those who have a need. I'm not stealing nothing. Goodbye, devil. Quote the word. Say, it is written. If you know the scripture, say the scripture. But say, it is written. Oh, you ain't nothing. You are nobody. You're a bum. Well, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says I'm a masterpiece. I'm God's handiwork. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. What you, what, what you saying? You're the bum, not me. <laughs> Goodbye, devil, with your low self-esteem and bad self-image. <laughs> you got to recognize that it's the devil. Oh my gosh, amen. He'll bring things that maybe a parent or teacher said to you. Say, yeah, that was a lie. I believed it, but I don't believe it no more. Amen. Pastor Maurice has been killing it about who I am in Christ. So amen. goodbye, devil. The word says I'm a holy nation, a chosen generation, a royal priest. So how, why should I have low self-esteem if I'm a royal priest? Bye-bye. Repeat the word to the devil. Some of you have been lazy Christians. You want somebody to pray it away. And no pray it away. Speak it away. With the word on your lips. There are some things you are to pray and there are some things you are to say. You have to know the difference. You don't pray about the mountain. You speak to the mountain. <laughs> My 
My goodness. Talking about the legacy of his loyalty. God will make you greater when you meet him. Remember, this came to me when I was studying. The one with the alabaster box, you know, who, there's, there's two or three versions of that, okay? I'm going to get into that now. It's been, that's been debated so long. Was there two women? It, was, it is actually more than one. But anyway, remember the one who wiped her tears, his, wiped his feet with, with her tears and her hair? And then the guy, Simon the Pharisee, was like, yo, if he knew what kind of woman this was, he won't let this happen. And he says, Simon, I have a question to ask you. Yo, so um, did you wipe my feet like you're supposed to? Did you do this? Did you do that? Nah, so leave her alone. And he says, this woman, people assume that she was a prostitute, whatever. He, and I love Jesus. I love how the scripture says this in the book of Luke. It says, and her sins were many. <laughs> He's like, I ain't going to deny that. I know she got a reputation around the town. I recognize it. I, I'm, I'm part of the town too. Her sins, which were many, which means that Jesus is not, that many sins doesn't change his forgiveness. Yeah. Her sins, which were many, some of you, some of your sins, which were in many, She's been forgiven. And what she's done for me will be spoken about wherever this gospel is preached. So this insignificant little nobody, maybe a whore, is now celebrated 2,000 years later. You have never heard the gospel preached without her being mentioned. She's been talked about for centuries. Her one act of worship, her one act of repentance, Jesus says it'll be talked about for the rest of the time this gospel is preached. I'm giving her status in the kingdom. Anytime you have an encounter with the living God, you always are bigger after having encountered him. Anytime you do his will, you're always bigger when I came back from Bible school, I made a certain amount of money. It was still good, especially not having a college degree. And today, I make four times what I was making back then. Four times. Is my church a mega church? <laughs> Did I do everything right? But there's no such thing as encountering God and not going greater. Amen. Impossible. You don't go down when you do his will. You always go up. Amen. You don't go down when you do what he's initiated. You go up. That's how loyal he is. Remember he told Abraham? He said, listen, I'm going to multiply you and all this stuff. But remember he said, give me your son, your only son. Yeah. First of all, that wasn't his only son. He had Ishmael. But why did God say that? No, the only son of covenant. <laughs> Give him to me. Kill him. I want him as a sacrifice. So here's another lesson. God will never test you with bad things. The, bad theology, the wrong theology says that if you're sick with cancer, God is testing you. That is a lie. That's the devil trying to kill you. 
Does God test? Yes, he tests the hearts. And he only tests you with the blessings he's given you. So if he gave you a million dollars, he'll say, give me a million dollars back. But he'll never make you broke to test you. Got it? If God gave you um, some designer shoes, he may say, give the designer shoes to so-and-so. That's how God tests. By telling you to do something or give something, but never by doing something bad in your life. James said, don't believe that. That's, he said, don't be, don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. And then in verse 16, in verse 17, he says, every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So God's not going to become one thing today. He's not one thing today and then one thing tomorrow. He's good all the time. He's loyal all the time. Amen. He gives gifts, good gifts all the time. Praise God. And if you don't understand that, you'll be disempowered when you come against the things that are not of God. So if it's not good, it's not what? We preach this a lot. If it's not good, everybody, one, two, three. If it's not good, say it loud. If it's not good, hey, my God, it's not God. Kenneth Hagin um, was a pastor, and then he was seeking God because he said it looked like I was going around in circles, and he began to pray, and the Lord told him, I never called you to be a pastor, though he's a pastor for 12 years. Though people got healed, filled the Holy Spirit, and even joined his church. He said, I never called you to be a pastor. He had visions and everything, and he sought God's will. God said, I called you the prophet and the teacher, so he stopped pastoring. You can actually do things that are good, and it still not be God. Be very careful of that which is a good idea, but not a God idea. Yeah. All right. So he starts traveling, but he's suffering. He said, oh, my kids not eating well, they're not clothed well. So he went on a three-day fast and began to seek God. On the third day of the fast, because he said, your word says, because what he presented to the Lord is that Isaiah 118 says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. We're not eating the good of the land. We don't have the best. And so he began to fast. He said, then the Lord spoke to him on the third day. He said, that scripture you keep quoting to me, you don't, it says, it says, if you're willing and obedient, you are obedient, but you are not willing. So you don't qualify. He said, I got willing in 10 seconds. <laughs> and then after he got willing in his heart, he said, the Lord gave him instructions what to do. And everything turned around. God is never the problem. He's always the answer. He's, that's why he's so good. But now are you willing to do what Kenneth Hagin did? Something's not right? Humble yourself? I know some of you ain't humble like that. I know you New Yorkers. I ain't trying to go to God and say, okay, what's wrong? You're going to go on a prayer line. You're going to go to call a prayer, 1-800, and nothing wrong with that. But sometimes you have to stop and say, Lord, something is not right. And seek him until you get an answer. Amen. The old school people will tell you, fast and pray and see what the Lord is saying. No, everybody wants a microwave answer. Yo, what the Lord is saying? Repent. That's what he's saying. Change your ways. That's what he's saying. And sometimes people don't want to really go to God because they already know that he's going to correct them about something. Yeah. So let me get on somebody's prophetic line. Give me, give me a good word to encourage me. 
And somebody will tap in and they'll encourage you. But things won't change unless you change. Even with a prophetic word, you got to repent. Amen. Why are you saying this, Pastor Maurice? Don't you going to be preaching some good news? This is good news. Because I've lived this Christian life and I know what works and I know what doesn't work. Just do his will. Amen. Just follow his agenda and you'll see his loyalty all over your life. You'll see his blessings all over your life. You'll see increase all over your life. Even recently, the Lord corrected me about something in a dream. Not in a dream, it's some kind of weird experience. I'm sleeping, you know. I can't explain everything. But I knew the Lord was correcting me. He said, you're still not giving me everything. I'm like, oh my goodness. And so he said, what? I said, yeah, because you're looking at the outward. God's looking at my heart. He's looking at my heart. It's still moving towards business. He can see what I'm doing privately, which, which when you're not watching, I'm looking at all these business YouTube videos. He says, you're still not giving me everything. Now, this is a, now, 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 let me share this with you. This has been an ongoing thing since I started ministry. That's a long time ago. So sometimes there's things that the devil and your flesh keep going after. And I fully sold out. The Lord said, sell out completely. And you'll see the change that you need. So even Pastor Maurice, awesome Pastor Maurice, has got to be corrected. And the Lord knows I'm willing to be corrected. Amen. Are you willing to be corrected? Are you willing to, 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 be, to be put on the right path? Okay, last one. Number three. The loyalty of God is manifested when you judge him faithful. How many want to see the loyalty of God manifest in your life? Amen. You want to see the hand of God be established with you. There's a scripture I love. Um, matter of fact, read Psalm 89. Psalm 89 is a psalm, not by David, but it's about David. You may think reading it is David. It's about David by, a, by another man, a psalmist. And it's talking about what God promised David and the faithfulness of God. And then he makes a complaint at the end, but, but, but I'm not seeing this, but what you said. But in that first half of the psalm, it was about all the things God promised David and said to David. One of the things he said in verse 34, I love this verse. Memorize this verse. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the words that has gone out of my lips. I'm not going to change. If God said he's going to bless you, he's going to bless you. If God said he's going to give you a husband, he's going to give you a husband. If God said he's going to give you a wife, he's going to give If God said he's going to give you kids, he's going to give you kids. God, if God said I'm going to give you 10 houses, he's going to give you 10 houses. He won't change. Another thing he says in Psalm, 90, Psalm 89, he said, I will not allow my faithfulness to fail towards David. I looked at my little note. It's a little note. This is what he said. He said, I will not be false with my faithfulness. Does that remind you of the scripture where it says, if we are faithful, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself or be false to himself. So I say, I can count on God. Hebrews 11, 11 says this, by faith, Sarah. So it wasn't just Abraham. Somebody say, it wasn't just Abraham. By faith, Sarah herself. Sarah herself. Sarah herself. You got to do it. It can't just be Pastor Maurice. 
Can't just be Pastor Patrick. Can't just be Pastor Josh. Can't just be Pastor Fabian. Can't just be Pastor Sam. You, yourself. Can't just be your parents. Can't just be your, your um, spiritual friend. You, yourself. Sarah herself. Not just her husband. Sarah herself. Also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, when she entered the impossibility, when the natural circumstance says it cannot happen. To have a baby at 90? Who you know had a baby at 90? Any of you? None of you. So please. Because she judged him, what? Faithful who had promised. He initiated it. He made a promise. And she judged him what? Dude, what does it mean to judge somebody? What does it mean to judge somebody? She decided. She made a decision. Make a decision in your heart. Make a decision in your soul. Feel it. God is faithful. And if the devil has been assaulting you in that area, you stand in your shower, you stand in your bedroom, you stand in your house, your apartment, whatever you got going on, and say, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful to me. God is loyal to me. Say it over and over. And silence the voice of the demons. We're trying to say that he's not. Silence the voice of the flesh that says he's not. God is faithful. Everything he's promised you, you will have if you judge him faithful. <coughs> Pastor Josh having some work challenges. You know how the devil does, right? If you get married, make you mess, mess with you. One of the things I said to him was like, who cares? No matter. What's that job? Nothing. In the light of who you are and who God is, what is that? So, you have to look at everything like, okay, what are you? Nothing. Uh, is anybody here afraid of losing their job? Anybody? Raise your hand if you're afraid. So, you, you, one person. Anybody else? And this is, I'm just asking a question. Are you afraid of losing your job? If, if they said tomorrow you're fired, would you be afraid? Would you be worried? You'd be, you'd be worried? Anybody else? You'd be worried? Why don't the little kid put his hand? He ain't, he ain't even working yet. He don't even know what the word job means. <laughs> Anybody else? All right, good. There's a few people. Um, never be worried or fearful about losing a job. What's a job? It's a job. We entered a realm where kids his age, 10 years old, are making $100,000, $200,000, $5 dollars. Why are you worried about a job that's paying you less than six figures? Why are you worried about a job that's even paying you six figures? Who cares? You serve the God of the universe. He can get you another job. He, can, he may actually not have you go on another job? He may say, here's an idea. We're going to make you a million bucks in one year. Can God do that? Can God make you a millionaire in one year? Absolutely. 
It's time for you to start believing that. Do you think, now I'm not saying Cardi, God bless Cardi B, but I'm just using her example. Do you think Cardi B thought when she was on a poll that she'll be a multimillionaire commanding all kinds of money? Do you think she thought that? Never. Um, I know you follow the social media. What, what did she give her husband as a gift one time? Remember she gave him cash one time? She gave him cash. She was getting like a million dollar car. Yeah. How, how much? That's what it was. One day, one time, Cardi B said, I don't know what to get my husband. She gave him $500,000. Let me tell you something. She was getting out on polls. I don't care how voluptuous she is. She wasn't leaving that week with $500,000. She's so wealthy now just by singing and rapping, whatever she does, that she can give her husband a gift of 500000 and it not break her. Judge him, what? Faithful. Somebody have to renew your mind about what you're doing. You have to break out of some boxes. Yes. Sometimes you, you may have to break out your corporate box. You know, I got to go to school, get a degree, got my degree, take this less than six-figure job. I'm going to challenge you today as I end this. Nobody here should be making less than six figures. Nobody. If you're making less than six figures, tell God today, take me to six figures and beyond. Nobody. How old are you, um, uh, um, Asa? 24. I'm telling you, at 24 years old, you should not be making less than six figures. Oh, when I get 30, no. Now. Oh, I just got out of college, so? Make a difference. And beyond. That should be, that should be like just a little starting part. I'm releasing this over the church. No less than six figures. Amen. Amen. After taxes. Somebody said hallelujah. My spouse makes six figures, I make six figures, and we make high six figures. Amen, right? Praise God. Hallelujah.